Once again, we just want to welcome you. My name is Joe Crummy, one of the leaders here at the Meeting Place Church, and I'm going to be speaking this morning. And we're going to continue a new series here in the new year from the New Testament book of Acts. So you can look in your Bible and you'll find uh, in the New Testament, we start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then we get to the book of Acts. And as we've said over the last couple of weeks, what an important book it is. Because if you went just from hearing about Jesus to then Romans, and then Paul writing to Rome, you'd be like, who's Paul? How did all this happen? So Acts is really important. And we see that in the Gospels, we read about the ministry of Jesus here on planet Earth. And then, as we are going to read again today, Jesus returns back to heaven, and his ministry continues, but now it's through his apostles, now it's through his people, now it's through his church, and the key component that we're going to see is the Holy Spirit. And so we know a lot about sometimes the Father in heaven, we know a lot about Jesus, sometimes we don't know a lot about the Holy Spirit. So the book of Acts is a great book for us to be able to, over the next couple of months, learn more about the Holy Spirit, learn more about the church, learn more about Jesus. So it's a very exciting book. So it's one that, if you didn't have coffee this morning, it's okay. You're still going to get stirred up, okay, this morning by the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to take a look at a couple things. And you know what? It's so hard preparing from the book out because there's so much, so many good things in it. I've got to pace myself. So Gary and I, we have to pace ourselves because you just kind of want to do all the good stuff like right at the beginning. But we've got to stretch the good stuff out. So this morning, I'm going to whet your appetite a bit. And one of the things that's always interests me is you have Jesus here on earth. Three years, he uh, gathered the disciples around. He taught in them. We can read about that in the Gospels. And then it always fascinates me, Jesus, as we talked about last week, you can listen to it online, Jesus lived on earth, died, suffered, rose again, as we sang about this morning, the risen Christ. And then he appeared to his followers for like over 40 days. And he appeared, it says, to 500, and then we read here that 120 really gathered together as they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. And I was like, can you imagine, if you had 40 days, okay, you were here three years, you died, rose again, and you had your followers, you got 40 days, what are the key things that you're going to talk about to your disciples? I think that's going to be like, you better use that time wisely. So what are the things you would, and we're going to take a look at, that Jesus taught into his disciples during those 40 days. Okay, you see the importance of that. Okay, Jesus here. Now, what Jesus are the most important things? I think we could say there's a lot of things that would begin to fall away to the side. And what's the most important things? Well, that's where we're going to pick it up again today. And as we said earlier, Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. So we need to look at the last part of the book of Luke into the book of Acts. Because they're kind of like two books put together. And that's where we're going to pick up our scripture reading. So we're going to begin, first of all, at the end of the book of Luke, chapter 24. And Luke writes this, Then he said to them, that's Jesus, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus gathering his disciples. He's with them. These are some of the last words Jesus said to his disciples. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So the word witness is one of the key ones in the book of Acts. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them, And while he blessed them, 
he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So that's the end of the book of Luke. And this is picking up the first from the book of Acts. So Luke refers to, he says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Okay, so let's pray for a minute, and then we're going to dive right into this. Father in heaven, this morning, we thank you again for your love for us. We thank you for your presence here by your spirit. We thank you for your written word. We thank you for Jesus, who's alive today. And we just ask now, by your spirit, that you would come, that you would open our minds to the scriptures, that you would enlighten us, that you would teach us, you would transform us to be more like Jesus. Come and speak to us. Lord, give us ears to hear, hearts that are open to receive from you. I ask for your help in this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we find two things from those scriptures. Okay, there's a lot in there, but I'm going to pick out two things that were in sense, we could say, priorities for Jesus in speaking to his disciples just over a short amount of time after his resurrection and before his ascension back into heaven. And if you picked them up in there, you might have along the way, two things he said. One is he taught them about the kingdom of God. That's one thing we're going to take a look at this morning. The other thing he talked about is he's like, wait until the promise of the Father has come. And you'll be clothed with power from behind. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power to be my witnesses. Those two things stand out just from those few verses. And really, it shouldn't surprise us. Because if we look at the New Testament, we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what did Jesus talk about the most out of all the things he taught his disciples? Anyone venture a guess? The answer is up here. (laughs) Just to give you a hint, okay? That was a nice easy, there, everyone should get that one. That's right, Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than any other topic. But I venture to guess, in most churches, we hardly ever hear teaching on the kingdom of God. Most churches probably, we pray it, don't we? Lord, let your kingdom come. So it's one of those terms, it's one of those phrases, the kingdom of God, that is all throughout Jesus' teaching. Here we read, what did Jesus teach them during the 40 days? He appeared to them and he taught them about the kingdom of God. So I think it's important for us, as we begin the book of Acts, to understand, actually, we're kind of going macro today, big picture, that we understand that the Holy Spirit coming, everything Jesus did and accomplished that we talked about last week in his life, death, resurrection, ascension, it's all to do with the kingdom of God. When Jesus was here on earth, one of the first things he said when he appeared on the scene is the kingdom of God is now at hand. The kingdom of God is now near. So he would perform miracles and he would say, the kingdom of God is here. Jesus would teach him parables and he'd say, the kingdom of God is like 
And he used all these parables that are, to be honest, I find hard to understand. The kingdom of God's a bit like this. And you're kind of like, huh? And the kingdom of God's a bit like this. And you're kind of like, huh? And Jesus, wherever he went, said the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God has appeared. Jesus inaugurated, he initiated the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. So it's really important for us to understand, and it applies to us today. There's many uh, ripple effects in understanding the kingdom of God. And one of the things we have to take a look at, what is the kingdom of God? And we can see from the disciples' answer that Jesus linked together the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit coming together. And the disciples picked that up. Okay, Jesus said, I'm going to teach you about the kingdom of God and wait, the Holy Spirit's coming. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to baptize you. John the Baptist said it. I baptize you in water. One who's coming who's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be drenched, immersed. And the disciples connected the two together because what were they waiting for? If we read sort of through their thick heads in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were all about the kingdom of God. They've been waiting for it. And Jesus disappointed them, didn't he? When he was dying on the cross, their hopes were shattered. Because for them, the kingdom of God meant this. It was a piece of land. It was territory. It was the nation of Israel. It was Jerusalem, the holy city. It was their temple. All of those things to them was the kingdom of God. And we can see how they were focused on Jesus. Here comes our savior. Here comes our conqueror. Here comes our champion. But it had nothing to do really sort of with the inside, with our soul. It had to do with external things. So the crowds were pushing Jesus. Jesus, when are you going to go to Jerusalem? Okay. It had nothing to do with sort of what's going to happen on the inside and our relationship with God. Most of it was external. And most of the Jewish people thought this. The kingdom of God was about politics, territory, and their nationality. And we see that today, don't we? Okay. It's still 2,000 years later. Okay. In our world today, it's still a pretty big subject in the nation of Israel. And we can see how the disciples were disappointed in Jesus. Okay? When Jesus said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. You can't come with me. I'm going to die and I'm going to suffer. You can see the wheels were turning and they just weren't getting it. Okay? But Jesus, you know, when's the good stuff going to happen? Because remember, the Jewish nation was under oppression by the Romans. They were a persecuted, enslaved nation. Jesus... You're going to come. You're going to be our conquering savior. You're going to be our victorious one. You're going to set our nation free. Jerusalem's going to come back to be the center of the universe. The temple's going to be the center. Jesus, when are you going to do it? Now, it's hard for us to kind of understand how fixated they were on that. But we pick it up again in their answer to Jesus, didn't we? Jesus, okay, Jesus, you didn't do it before, but now you're resurrected. Now you've conquered... All these things. Now, are you going to bring the nation of Israel back to being restored as the center of the universe? That's their first answer, isn't it? You taught them on the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit's coming. Uh, Jesus, by the way, is this, is this the time now that you're going to restore Israel? Can you imagine Jesus? I mean, oh, my soul. I can just see him in private with God the Father saying, God, these guys really need the Holy Spirit. Like, let me be ascended quick because these guys need help. I mean, he must have been... So frustrated. Three years with them. Okay, guys, let's huddle together. This is what I'm teaching on. This is it. And then he appeared to them. Look at my hands, everything. Like, now you must believe. 
and he's teaching them. And the first thing they say is, is it now? <laughs> Jesus just lost him. Oh, Father. He's so patient with them, isn't he? Gives me such hope for me today. Because many times I'm like, God, I get it now. You're like, no, you don't get it. <laughs> Jesus is so patient. You know what? It's not for you to know times and dates and all of that. What did he point them to? He says, the Holy Spirit is coming. And you're going to be my witnesses. So we're starting out, what is the kingdom of God? Well, we're kind of saying what it's not. Okay? The kingdom of God is not a physical territory or a piece of land. Okay? Now, this is really important because some Christians today are fighting a lot of wars about pieces of land. Okay? And throughout history, our history is full of it. So this is really important that we get this. The kingdom of God is not about physical pieces of land. Okay? It's not about a nation. Okay? So we as Christians haven't tried to take over a piece of land in the world and all the Christians huddle together and say, this is the kingdom of God. Might sound foolish, but our history is, is full of that sort of thing. Or that we brand ourselves as a nation, that we're a Christian, we're Christians. And this is where we stand. It's really important. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. So what is it about the kingdom of God? Is this. This is a great quote from John Stott. So I'm going to steal it from him, okay? Because he puts it in like a few words, such a huge concept. The kingdom of God is this. He says it's this. It's God's rule set up in the lives of his people by the Holy Spirit. Okay? What a power-packed little sentence. Okay? Jesus was all about the kingdom of God isn't Land, geography, nationality, power, politics, okay? Ruling in the sense of what we think of as uh, a king and a kingdom having power and authority in the sense of territorial things. Actually, the kingdom of God is about this. It's about you and me and our lives and the rule and the reign of God here on planet Earth. Now, let me say, the kingdom of God, the rule of God in our lives by the Holy Spirit should affect politics and it should affect the world we live in. But it comes in here first. You can't legislate the kingdom of God. We need a transformation on the inside first. And so when we're praying, God, let your kingdom come, what are we praying? We're praying, God, let your rule come and your reign, as it is in heaven, so it be on earth. So let's take a look at heaven for a minute. What are we praying about? We're praying, God, let our relationship with you be number one. Okay, let us have a relationship with you that we can call you Abba, Father. Jesus says that we would have his thoughts, wouldn't we? That we'd be a people that are about the peace of God. We're about the justice of God. We're about the mercy of God. We're about the righteousness of God. We're about the glory of God. We're about worshiping the Father. We're about obedience. We're about truth. All those things that we talk about from the Bible, all the Ten Commandments, all those things, God, let them be in our hearts. Let them be in our minds. Let it flow out from us. Not as rules and regulations, but as a desire. As a, this is who we are. This is what we can't help but being about. The kingdom of God. It's the rule of God in our hearts. 
And what's the rule of God fighting against? The rule of God is fighting against powers and principalities that are at war, satanic powers. The rule of God is in battle against our flesh, isn't it? Even as Christians, we battle the flesh. We have to crucify the flesh. Okay? Until we're made perfect in heaven, we, we're in a battle, aren't we? We talked about that many times. If you don't know you're in a battle, you're going to be picked off. We battle Satan, powers, principalities, demons, demonic activity. We battle our own flesh that wants to be independent and to do it my way. Okay? That's the battle that's going on. And Jesus, okay, this is really important. It's, I'm talking big picture, remember? Okay, Jesus came to save you and me. Absolutely. Okay? But it's not just about you and me. You follow me on that? Okay, you've got to have a God perspective. Because a human perspective, it's all about me. As we sang this morning, it's not all about me. Well, a lot of our teaching would think it is all about me. I'm saved. It's about how I feel. It's about what I'm doing. It's about my call, my purpose, my plan. It's all about me. Actually, Jesus came. It's all about his Father in heaven. Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. He came to take back that which was rightfully his Father's. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. In the beginning, God walked with Adam and Eve. They were naked and they weren't ashamed. And then sin entered the world. The devil brought temptation. Adam and Eve gave in to that temptation. Sin entered the world and it brought physical death and it brought spiritual death. And it brought, from that point on, a battle on planet Earth of who's going to worship God and who's not going to worship God. And who's going to worship little g-gods. And there's too many of them to name. And the Bible is the history of that, isn't it? That's, that's the history of the Bible. Is now there's a battle on planet Earth. In heaven and on Earth. In powers and principalities. And we see that God initiated it. We'll get to in a couple of minutes. A plan all the way through the Old Testament. That Jesus is coming. Um, the Messiah. The Savior. Who's going to rectify the problem. And who's going to enter into history and change things so that now, more and more, as we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is restored here on planet Earth. And one day, we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth, and it will be completely restored. Folks, that's the context for you being saved through Jesus Christ. Do you get a big picture? Okay, we're talking big stuff here today. Okay, Lord of history. We're singing this morning. This is the big picture. It's about the kingdom of God. Now we have a king. Who's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Ruling and reigning. And now as Jesus physically came on planet earth. That kingdom is now expanding. Not through Jesus still physically being on earth. How's it expanding? It's expanding by us receiving Christ. And now his spirit living in us. Do you see the connection between the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit. So everything with him, he just wants to teach on the baptism of the Spirit. All I want to do is get hands on you and pray for you and lay hands on you and say, be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God to come and you be anointed and be witnesses and we'll get to that. But you got to set it up in the context because even the baptism of the Spirit, we can think it's all about me, how I feel, everything. Okay? 
That's important. Don't get me wrong. But the big picture is you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, not just for you, but it's for God. Because the kingdom of God is extended when we're filled with his Holy Spirit and we obey Jesus. And now we have the mind of Christ. So we forgive people. When you forgive people, guess what? You're extending the kingdom of God. When you show mercy to people, when you defend the widow and the orphan and you show justice and you prevent people from cheating and scamming, guess what? You're bringing in the kingdom of God. So you can see how geography and territory and politics isn't it. Now, the kingdom of God in our lives should affect politics. Don't get me wrong, okay? Because our two uh, extremes are we're so spiritual that we don't affect our culture around us or we're so caught up in culture we forget who we are. John Stott has a great quote. Let me just read it to you about the kingdom of God in that context. Okay? have to listen. It is important to remember that his promise that we would receive power was part of his reply to their question about the kingdom. For the exercise of power is inherent in the concept of a kingdom, but power in God's kingdom is different from power in human kingdoms. Let me read this again. But power in God's kingdom is different from power in human kingdoms. The reference to the Holy Spirit defines its nature. The kingdom of God is his rule set up in the lives of his people by the Holy Spirit, which I just read. It is spread by witnesses, not soldiers, through a gospel of peace, not a declaration of war, and by the work of the Spirit, not by force of arms, political intrigue, or revolutionary violence. At the same time, in rejecting the politicizing of the kingdom, we must be aware of the opposite of extreme of super-spiritualizing it as if God's rule operates only in heaven and not on earth. The fact is that, although it must be identified, must not be identified with any political ideology or program, it has radical political and social implications. Kingdom values come into collision with secular values. So it's a big, it's a big deal. Okay? If you're a Christian, whether you know it or not, and we're trying to educate and inform and empower you, you're about the kingdom of God. You're not just isolated in your own little world. You are about the kingdom of God. You're about the rule and the reign of God in our hearts first, by the power of the Holy Spirit, then extending into every aspect of our lives. And therefore, the kingdom of God is everywhere. Everywhere you go, you bring in the kingdom of God. You're like Jesus, okay? We lay hands on the sick and we're praying for them to be made well. The kingdom of God is here. It can be in the hospital. It can be in someone's house. It can be out on the street. It doesn't matter about the geography. It doesn't matter what political system. The kingdom of God is here. Hallelujah. That's what makes Christianity so exciting. It doesn't matter what country you live in. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter if you're liberal Conservative, NDP, it doesn't, that really doesn't matter. Those are all secondary things. The kingdom of God is this. God's rule in our hearts, in our lives, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's good news. Okay? Jesus saves us, so we're forgiven from our sins. Everything we talked about last week, okay, it's personal, but it's more than personal. It's huge. It's global. That you're now part of the kingdom of God. And you get to play your part in advancing the kingdom of God here on planet Earth so that all the nations will know the kingdom of God is at hand through Jesus Christ. And one day, 
when Jesus returns, guess what? The kingdom will be complete. Kingdom of God. Big topic. Okay? It's about our lives every day, whether you know it or not. That's what you're called into. And we see that the kingdom of God, it's nature, it's spiritual. It's about the Holy Spirit. Okay? Not territorial. It's a spiritual kingdom. And that's what makes it hard to kind of see, isn't it? Okay? Because it, how is it identified? It's identified primarily through the church, isn't it? The presence of God manifests when we worship together. That's the kingdom of God. Signs and wonders, that's the kingdom of God. Speaking truth and love, that's the kingdom of God. Gifts of the Holy Spirit, that's the kingdom of God. They're all signs that point to Jesus and his kingdom. Okay? It's international. This is a huge thing for the disciples to get to. Because you think about all their history was this. Everything pointed to Jerusalem. Everything pointed to the temple. So the world came to them. That's pretty much the story of the Old Testament. God was concerned about the nations, but the nations came to a, loca- a locality. They came to Jerusalem. We're going to see that in Pentecost. What were they coming? They all came to Jerusalem, to the temple. Can you imagine how radical it was for Jesus then to say, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem? Absolutely, because everyone's going to come here. And in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus flipped it completely around. Instead of everyone coming to the temple and to Jerusalem, Jesus said this. It's radical. Okay? The gospel is radical. Jesus said this, and Paul explains it more in the epistles. Guess what? Now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay? If it wasn't true, it would be blasphemous. Okay? It would be blasphemy if it wasn't true. Okay? So it's either true or it's not true. And if it's not true... We're in big trouble. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you power to be my witnesses to go everywhere. Okay, It's a radical change from everything coming in to everybody going out. And we'll see it in the book of Acts. That's why when we talk about church planning and all that, it's going out, isn't it? Now, we need a good home base. Don't get me wrong. We're always going to be sharing in our neighborhoods, all that stuff. But the heartbeat of the gospel is go to all the nations. And it's gradual. And what do we mean by that? The disciples wanted everything right now. And so do we. <laughs> so instant gratification wasn't just a common thing today. They said, is now the time that you're going to do it? Snap your fingers, Jesus. You can do it. Boom. There it is. Okay? No. He said this. Okay? You're going to go. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we're still part of that great commission today, aren't we? 2,000 years later. Okay. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It's God's rule set up in the lives of his people by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Big picture, folks. Like I said, everything within me this week was just like, everyone come forward. Let's pray for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We'll get to that, okay? But sometimes we can rush to that and we can miss the big picture. There's a purpose for us being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be witnesses, but what are we witnesses of? And our lives should be about the kingdom of God. You want a purpose in your life? There's your purpose. Follow Jesus. Pray every day. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Let me be part of your kingdom. Let me tell the truth today. That's ushering in the kingdom of God. Let me forgive someone today. That's ushering in the kingdom of God. Let me love someone today. That's ushering in the kingdom of God. Let me worship Jesus today. Let me worship the Father. Let me help somebody. Let me use my gifts. That's ushering in the kingdom of God. Not by violence. Not by wars. It's a different kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's international. And it's gradual since that it's lives that we're changing that we can't legislate. Okay. okay. Now, quickly, because we'll talk more about this over the next couple of weeks. The second part of that, as Jesus talked a lot about, the promise of the Father. He taught about the kingdom of God, which we wouldn't be surprised. That's what he talked about most when he was here on earth. But he also talked more and more about this as he got closer to his death and as he got closer to returning to heaven. We see it in a couple places. He says, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you. In the end of Luke, Acts, but wait for the gift my father promised. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Folks, again, big picture. We see this all throughout the Old Testament. The day is coming when the Holy Spirit will be poured out. I already talked about Adam and Eve, perfect relationship with God. Sin entered. Okay, it was broken. Man, we're only six chapters in, folks, to Genesis, and the flood happens, okay? A lot happens in a short amount of time, okay? Sin kills, physically and spiritually, okay? And by chapter 12, God has to pick Abram, who became Abraham, and said, I'm picking you. Abram said, okay, I believe you. God was like, that's what I'm looking for, somebody that will believe me. And it was credited to him as righteousness, and a whole nation was set up, the sand of the seashore, Okay, sand on the seashore, stars in the sky. That's where your descendants are going to be, even though you have no kids. And God gave him a promise. Abraham believed it and said, well, God, my body's as good as dead, but because you said it, I'm going to believe it, as we read in Romans chapter 4. And God set up a nation. The nation went into slavery. If you remember the story, all the way along, God raises up Moses, brings his people into the promised land. And all throughout the Old Testament, we get snippets of God wanting to be with his people, his presence there, how he wants people to relate to him. And it kind of changes with Moses because the people say to Moses, you go and meet with God. We're going to stay back here. You go up the mountain with thunder and lightning and smoke and everything. You go. You go right along. We'll stay back here. And we see this division more and more of prophets and priests and kings that were a few people. And as you'll learn on Alpha, The Holy Spirit came for specific people at a specific time for a specific purpose. But we get glimpses, don't we? Do you remember Numbers 11? Hope you're reading Numbers this week. It's a good Old Testament one to read. I had to laugh this week. I was talking to some of my hockey guys, and they found out I was a pastor, some of them, for the first time. Hilarious conversation. And one of the guys said, this is just a little bunny trail, but he said, you don't read the Old Testament, do you? I said, hey, I read it today, matter of fact. He says, tell me, he says, tell me, that you don't read Leviticus. <laughs> I said, yes, I read Leviticus. But I said, you've got to read the Old Testament through the New Testament. Anyway, Numbers 11. Okay, Moses, he's getting burned out as a leader. And his father-in-law says, you know, d- division of labor. And God says, I'm going to send my spirit on your leaders. And there were two guys, just brief story. Two guys couldn't make it to the meeting. The Holy Spirit comes. They're prophesying. I mean, this is Old Testament. This is in the book of Numbers, right? Numbers 11. And Joshua comes to Moses, and the two guys who weren't there, they got filled with the Holy Spirit as well, or touched by the Holy Spirit, whatever term you want to use. 
And Joshua says, they weren't among us. What do we do? He panics. Eh? He's like, Moses, you want us to shut them down? Moses is like, what are you talking about? Hallelujah that they've been touched by the Holy Spirit. He goes, I desire, God desires everybody to be touched and filled with the Holy Spirit. All the way back to Moses. And you see it, don't you? You see it. Gideon, touched by the Holy Spirit, changes him. I'm just a weak guy. I'm the poorest guy. I can't do anything. Holy Spirit comes upon him. Mm. Samson, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. Man, you read it and you're just like, guys, you love reading Samson, eh? My boys, they just want to read Samson over and over and over again, eh? Got the jawbone of a donkey, you know, he's slaying people, and you're like, it is violent. I can't get around it. But there's something, even though all that's probably wrong and all that, there's something within you goes, that's the Spirit of God. Because you know why? Because you read, what, uh, who was it, Maureen, reading out about Jesus coming back, okay? There's something that rises up within you. It's like, man, God's dangerous. Serious, God is dangerous. Okay? Samson, we get King David. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit. He stands out. He's different, isn't he? Okay? We're wetting your appetite. The disciples knew all their Old Testament history. Their people. And there's this thread all the way through that's promised that one day the Holy Spirit's coming. It's powerful, folks. We'll read it. I'll just touch on it, okay? We're running out of time. That's okay. We'll keep going on it next week, in the next few weeks. The book of Acts is filled with this. That's why there's no pressure to fit it all into one message, okay? Big picture. We read this in Isaiah 44. There's so many of them. God says, For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Jeremiah 31, 31. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with my people. I will put my law on their minds, write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. Ezekiel 11, he repeats it in 36. God says, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit within them. I will remove from them their heart of stone. I will give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people. I will be their God. It says it again, verse 27 of chapter 36 of Ezekiel. And I'll pour out my spirit in you, and I'll move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Joel 2, 28, 29. I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Luke 3, 16. That's, I've told you before, eh? Memorize John 3, 16 and memorize Luke 3, 16. It always throws people for a loop. Luke, throw up Luke 3, 16. And people are like, huh? John the Baptist baptized with water. And he says, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Folks, I hope you're getting okay, the magnitude of what goes on in the book of Acts when Jesus ascends as the glorified Christ and he pours out his spirit. It's a big deal. Why? It's about the kingdom of God, which was important. It's important to God. His rule and his reign in our hearts. Okay? It's prophesied all throughout the Old Testament. A day is coming. New covenant. Jesus brought it in. Okay? Old Testament, they still had a heart of stone. They were given all the rules, but they weren't empowered to live them out. And God says, I'm coming, and I'm going to put my spirit in you. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is going to write things on your mind and in your heart that you want to obey. Gary said over and over again, we don't need to do this. We get to do this. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to say no to ungodliness and say yes to righteousness. Poor guys in the Old Testament, they didn't have that. Or very few did. It's all there. And the disciples knew it was coming. 
God, when? When are you going to do it? When are you going to pour out your spirit? We live in good days, folks. We've got great news. Jesus fills us. And this is great. Okay? I won't go into this too much. I'll just close with this. This is the best news, folks. They were just ordinary people. And if you really have eyes to see it, they were pitiful and pathetic, which gives me a lot of hope. Okay, Peter, I mean, really. Okay, he was stubborn. He was angry. He didn't get it. Okay? You know, like he's given the message, and even Paul has to correct him later on. I mean, really. He denied Jesus three times. All those things. Okay? I can relate to Peter. All the disciples. Remember the brothers going and saying, Jesus, can we sit at your right hand? You know, we talked to my mom and she said, you know, it'd be good for her to ask if, you know, we could sit at your right hand. I mean, talk about the whole, your mom and all that. I mean, <laughs> and the other disciples heard about it and they're like, they were so angry. It's like, you got your mom involved in this? I mean, ordinary people, fishermen, tax collectors, zealots, ordinary people. And I'm sure even Jesus, I don't know, and this human part of Jesus must have been just shaking his head. I don't know about this plan, God. I'm going to come back to you and these guys are going to carry the message. Boy. You know what I think Luke does, though? Luke does at the beginning of the book of Acts. He makes it very clear. Okay? There's no superstar Christian that leads the way. Okay? There's not this great leader that is voted in and he's got all the brains and he's got all the good ideas everything actually it's the opposite they don't really have much strategy at all they huddle together and they pray and they wait for the game changer and they went from ordinary people pitiful and pathetic i mean really if you look at their lives okay to dynamite power changing them and peter within six weeks denying jesus as we're going to see in chapter 2, proclaiming the good news. Folks, it's the same Holy Spirit who takes pitiful and pathetic us, you and me, who are ordinary people, and gives us extraordinary power to be witnesses. That's good news. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus said. It's actually better that I go. Folks, sometimes we can think Peter and Paul, who we're going to read about a lot in Acts, we think of them, They were superstar Christians, and they're so far beyond us. That's for them. That's not for us. They were not. You read the epistle. They were mad at Paul. And they're like, Paul, you write these letters with so much authority, but when you show up, you're so unimpressive. Paul wasn't anything too special except for he had the Holy Spirit. God got a hold of his life. Peter wasn't. They all weren't. Okay, That's a lot of hope for us. The last thing, you don't even have to wait till next Sunday, all right? I hope you're getting thirsty. I really do, okay? You get thirsty physically, and you're like, I'm getting thirsty. Hope you're getting thirsty spiritually. Okay, there's good news. We've got to receive Christ first. Jesus is our Savior first before Jesus is our baptizer and the Holy Spirit. And we receive salvation as a gift, and we receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. And we're going to teach more into this over the next couple of weeks. But I hope you're getting a big picture. When we talk about baptism in the Spirit, it's not just laying hands on you for you to have a good feeling, 
for you to be not so terrified anymore. All those things are true. It's now your eyes are open that it's about extending the kingdom of God. It's about the rule of God in our hearts and our lives by the Holy Spirit. That we don't have to do it on our own. That we have a helper. We have one that empowers us. Good news. A lot of side benefits, okay? We feel the assurance that when we're a child of God, absolutely. We can say, Abba, Father, absolutely. That we can have spiritual gifts, absolutely. Those are all bonus that come with being filled with the Holy Spirit. But we can't lose big picture. Being filled with the Holy Spirit allows us to extend the kingdom of God, which gives glory to our Father in heaven that exalts Jesus as the king of his kingdom. Get thirsty. Get thirsty. Get thirsty. Say, you know, I want to learn more about the kingdom of God. Great, we've got some good books for you to read. I want to learn more about this connection between living out for God and the Holy Spirit. Good. That's what we want to hear. I want to know a lot of confusion, a lot of things in Christianity. Well, baptism of the Spirit, I thought I had the Holy Spirit when I was saved, all that. Get riled up. Good. Get thirsty. Get confused. Good. Drives you to say, come on, God, show me. I want to know the truth. I want everything you have for me. Good. Get riled up. Get thirsty. Get provoked. Okay? Get to say, I want to know what I believe and why I believe it. Good. You should be able to. Because if you're going to be a witness, what are you a witness to? That's where I'm going to leave it today. What are you a witness to? Am I witness to what other people believe, what other people say? Or am I witness to God has shown me. He's open. Jesus has opened the scriptures. I know what it is to say that Jesus is my Savior. I can explain that to you. I can explain that it's good news. I can explain to you that I've been baptized, dripped, immersed, drenched in the Holy Spirit, and now my life has changed. I used to be this, now I'm that. I still struggle with this, but God empowers me to do this. Thirsty. Are you getting thirsty? Are you getting thirsty for the things of God? Are you getting thirsty for Jesus? Are you getting thirsty for the Holy Spirit? Again, thirsty to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth, in me, as it is in heaven. Okay, let's stand together. I just want to lead us in a prayer, and we'll close. Just want to lead us in a prayer for two things. Just want to pray for Christians here this morning, okay, that you have a new perspective and a new awareness to live out the kingdom of God everywhere you go. And I pray that people will be thirsty here this morning. Okay? As Gary shared that picture earlier, of even in the midst of a frozen ground, the Holy Spirit comes and the river can run. Okay? So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you today. Thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus, the word of God, the risen one. We thank you for your spirit being poured out. Father, I thank you for every person here today. And Father, I pray today, in Jesus' name, that you would come and that you would bring more understanding, more revelation, more experience of the kingdom of God in our lives. God, I pray for people here this morning, wherever they go. God, I pray for those in the military, as they go, they understand living out the kingdom of God in their culture. God, I pray that for university, high school, middle school. God, I pray that for stay-at-home moms. God, I pray that for business people. God, I pray that for those who live on our streets. God, Lord, I pray for every context.
that people are in here today, that we would be establishing and expanding the kingdom of God everywhere we go by being a follower of Jesus Christ and being filled with your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray now, Lord, would you make us thirsty? God, would you make us thirsty that we would say no to sin and no to lesser things? God, that we'd be thirsty for your truth, thirsty to know you more, thirsty to be filled with your spirit, thirsty to see your kingdom come, thirsty to see signs and wonders, thirsty to see your gospel going forth in power, thirsty to see people coming to Alpha, thirsty to pray and to seek you and to call on your name and to ask you for great and mighty things for your glory. God, come, Lord, make us thirsty for you. God, help us as we go through the book of Acts. God, speak to us, God, empower us to be your witnesses in our day and in our time to your glory. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.